0: I had to change many of my spellings after coming to the United States. I grew up learning British spellings and then converted those to the American versions. Words like labor, color, and favor lost the U in them. And a word like program lost the M-E in the end. And a word like organize went from S-E to Z-E. And that's one other thing. I used to call the letter z. And now I call it Z. So the word zoo, I would say it is Z-O-O, zoo. And now I say it is Z-O-O, zoo. So many changes had to be made after I came to the United States. Hi everyone, thanks for joining me again. Today we're talking about the changes that immigrants have to make after coming to America. Immigration requires... Many adjustments, and the degree of adjustments would depend on where people are coming from, their history, their country of origin, education level, native culture, and so much more. Some people are more open to changes than others. Immigration is a big transition. For some, it is relatively smooth. For others, it is not. I know that because I was born and raised in Bangladesh, and I came to America to make this country my home. There are millions and millions of people here in the United States who are foreign-born, and many immigrants, like myself, came to America as adults. I have done several speeches in front of various groups of people discussing my immigrant experience, discussing my journey and how I got to this point in my life. When I do my presentations, some of the questions that often come up are Did you find the transition challenging? Did you have to make a lot of changes? Did you have to learn the English language and so on? Now the answers will vary depending on who you're asking. One of the biggest barriers that people face after they come to the United States is the language. For anyone from a non-English speaking country... And if that person did not grow up speaking English or did not learn English prior to coming to America, settling down here can be quite challenging. If a person does not have a firm grasp on English, then there might be obstacles at every step. People do learn, and many people learn very fast, but it can still be a challenging process. For me... The language was not a barrier, with the exception of the spelling changes that I already mentioned, uh, you know, going from British English to American English. Growing up in Bangladesh, English was not my first language, but I learned English growing up. So even as a young boy, I, I would speak in English, and that's because I went to English medium schools, where all instructions were in English and even at home I had the option of conversing in English with my mother if I wanted to because she also learned English growing up and so when I came to America I already knew the language regarding the transition from uh, British to American versions of the English language here's a fun example I was at the mall, and this was in the earlier days, right after coming to America. I was at the mall, and I asked a store associate, Where's the lift? She did not understand what I was saying and looked very confused, and then I asked again, Miss, I'm looking for the lift. Do you know where it is? She seemed to not understand what I was saying, and that's when it suddenly struck me. Here in the United States, a lift as I understood it, it's called an elevator. And then I laughed at myself and um, I asked her again. I said, um, I'm actually looking for the elevator. Then the woman understood, obviously, and she pointed me in the right direction and she was also smiling. Well, I grew up calling it a lift. And so that's one more change I had to make. I had to go from calling it a lift to calling it an elevator. The part of the world where I am from, um, the country of Bangladesh, it is a former British colony. The British left many years ago and the region gained independence, but the British influence continued. The British English is used in Bangladesh and I had to take O&A level exams, which... um, are part of the British standard of education. And therefore, um, the the British standard uh, influences um, English and many other things in that, that part of the world. Things, I believe, are changing with time. The more and more people know English and can speak the language, maybe not perfectly, but to an extent that Uh, they can perform basic communications, Uh, that's great. And with the rise of social media, more and more people, I believe, uh, have an opportunity to communicate with others that would um, allow them to practice the use of uh, English as a second language. And social media plays a, a big role in that. And that's just my opinion, and somebody else may say something different. Now, as a side note, I must mention that there are downsides to social media in terms of the effects that it has on a language. For example, people are um, in the process of communicating with others on social media, they are using, uh, they are misspelling words and they are using new abbreviations that do not exist in the traditional English language. Um, For example, LOL which stands for laughing out loud, or TY, which stands for thank you, and there are many more. If we want to talk about the detrimental impacts of social media on the English language, um, that would be a long discussion, so uh, it would have to be another episode, and that's why I'm not going to go into those details. Let's go back to discussing the original topic of today's episode. There are many other things that we see and hear and follow almost every day that require changes as as part of transitioning to an American life. In Bangladesh, where I grew up, and in many other countries around the world, the units of measurement are different uh, when you compare them to America. Distance is measured in kilometers instead of miles. Weight is measured in kilograms instead of pounds, and liquid is measured in liters instead of gallons. In fact, a big change that many immigrants have to adjust with is which side in a vehicle the driver's seat is on. In the United States, the driver sits on the left side of the vehicle. In Bangladesh, the driver sits on the right side. And likewise, the side of the road that people drive their vehicles on um in bangladesh it's different from the united states it's just the opposite and these are just some examples and as i'm speaking to you um i can remember a speech that i once heard it was delivered by a judge during a citizenship ceremony and i don't remember the exact words but i do remember the gist of his message regardless of where you are from when you take the Oath of Allegiance, you become an American when, after you go through the entire citizenship process. You become an American, but that does not mean that you will forget your culture and traditions. And I remember that in that speech, the judge also mentioned food. Immigrants don't have to give up the kind of food that they grew up eating. The people of every country in the world have their own staple food or dishes that um, are tied to their culture or traditions. As immigrants immigrants are coming to the United States and and becoming Americans, they embrace their new home and their new life. But it is almost impossible for people to give up the food that they, they have always consumed. Taste buds need to be satisfied. And that's why there are so many ethnic grocery stores in America you know indian stores and bangladeshi and vietnamese and italian and middle eastern stores and chinese japanese african and the list goes on and on food is not just food that we consume to satisfy our hunger food and the and the process of eating is an experience and it is tied to memories of old days the smell and the taste and the texture of certain types of food please our senses in a special way how many times? So, how many types of rice dishes are there in the world? Hmm? If I were to ask that question, how many times? So, how many types of rice dishes are there in the world? I don't know the number, but I do know that the answer is many. There are different kinds of rice, grown in different parts of the world, and they are all prepared differently based on various cultures and people's tastes all over the world. A person may like a certain rice dish, but not others. One of my personal favorite dishes is is biryani, which is rice and meat cooked with some very special spices from the Indo-Pak subcontinent region. There are rice and meat dishes in many countries and cultures, but those are not the same as my favorite biryani. I go to ethnic grocery stores often because at home I cook, di- I cook dishes that are native to my country of origin. I embrace what's American. I am an American, but I also continue to experience and enjoy the kind of food that I grew up eating because it is really hard for people to give up the types of dishes that they ate as a child, as they ate um as as teenagers the food that they ate growing up it is part of who they are and how how they how they grew up these ethnic stores when you walk into one of these there may be a certain kind of aroma which may be specific to the region of the world that it is representing and thanks to global trade no matter where in the united states you are you will always find stores within a certain radius that uh, sell food, spices, or other ethnic ingredients that are specific to uh, certain cultures or parts of the world. In in the big cities in America, there are ethnic enclaves. And these are neighborhoods or areas populated heavily by people of a particular ethnic uh, ethnic, ethnic group. And I have seen these enclaves... Um, in uh, big cities like New York. Um, in New York, there are certain areas that are heavily populated by Indians and Pakistanis and Bangladeshis. Uh, think about Jackson Heights, if, if you know where that is. Jackson, Jackson Heights, New York. That is an ethnic enclave. Here in the Midwest, if you travel to um, a place in Chicago, it's called Devon Avenue. If you go there, You'll know that that's also an ethnic enclave because um, the, the street is uh, lined with stores that are owned by uh, people from Pakistani, Indian or Bangladeshi origin. And when you go into any such neighborhood, you will find restaurants and grocery stores and, and shops that sell clothes and jewelry from various parts of Asia. Or, or Africa, or Latin America, and the list goes on. When immigrants come to America, they may get drawn into an ethnic enclave like this, where they may associate, interact, and um, be with people from their country of origin. But that is certainly not the case for everyone. But it's certainly a trend that is true in the case of many immigrants. And that takes us to the topic that I'm discussing today, which is adjustments that immigrants have to make as they transition to an American life and the things that they may still hold on to based on their culture or background. When I came to America, I did not want to get drawn into any specific ethnic enclave. I chose Madison to be my home And this is a very diverse city. People from all over the world and from all walks of life make their way to Madison, either for work or education or something else. Regardless of color and creed, Madison, Wisconsin is a home for everyone. But I still remember what the judge said during uh, a citizenship ceremony that I attended. He said his message was, Don't forget your culture. Don't give up your food. And I have not given up the food that I um, ate growing up. I still buy groceries and make Bangladeshi dishes at home, while also enjoying a variety of other American, Italian, Indian, Thai, and other cuisines. But I will always crave for the kind of food that my mother would cook when I was growing up. No matter what else is available to me, I will always crave for the aroma and the taste of Bangladeshi food. And that's why Bangladeshi food is still a very big part of my life. I have friends who are Italian and they were born and raised here. But they crave for Italian food because that's what they largely ate um, at home as they were growing up. Now let's talk about climate, and that's my next point, climate. It matters. It's a very big, big part of our lives. I was, I was born and raised in a very warm climate, very warm, sunny, and often humid. But now I live in the cold Midwest. The first time I saw snow as, um, in person, the first time I saw snow in person, was after I came to the United States. Prior to that, I had never seen snow except for on television. Let me tell you, it is an amazing feeling the first time you see snow as an adult and you get to touch snow and you get to feel snow. And unless you spent all, 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 all of your childhood in a warm country like me, It is really hard to understand how it feels when you see and touch snow for the first time as an adult. For many people in the United States, snow is just a part of life. It's what people have always seen. Uh, Think about Christmas movies, right? Um, Snow is a big theme in a Christmas movie. Most Christmas movies show snow. And, um, you know, most movies would show snow on uh, Christmas morning or um, Christmas Eve. But for me, I experienced snow for the first time as an adult. And so that brings me back to the changes that immigrants have to make. After I came to America, I had to learn, as simple as it may sound for anyone who grew up in Wisconsin... I had to learn how to walk in the snow without slipping and falling. I had to learn how to drive in the snow. I had to clean my snow-covered vehicle parked outside. And these are all parts of transitioning from a Bangladeshi life to an American life. In Bangladesh, there are six seasons. Yes, one, two, three, four, five, six. A total of six seasons in Bangladesh. Here in America, there are four seasons. Although, I must add that people joke that Wisconsin has two seasons. One is winter and the other is construction. But we'll keep the jokes on the side and focus on the main topic of discussion. I went from living in a country with six seasons to living in a country with four seasons. And seasons are extremely important in the discussion of Festivals and Fairs Bangladesh always had and still has, I believe, many festivals throughout the year and some of these are tied directly to seasons um, with one of the biggest one being the start of the Bengali New Year. Here in Wisconsin too, which is my home now, there are many festivals and fairs throughout the year and uh, many of them tied to seasons. During the summer, there are art fairs in many communities right here in Madison, Wisconsin the art fair on the square is a big event and then there's uh, Shake the Lake Fireworks and if you go outside of Madison uh, there's Scholesburg Cheese Fest and Monroe Cheese Days and uh, Summer Fest in Milwaukee and coming back to Madison there's a, a big one the Broad Fest and there are lots and lots more Festivals and fairs and special occasions are a big part of a person's life. Not everyone participates in all occasions and celebrations, but um, those still would have an impact on people if others are celebrating and having fun um, you know, around them. At the end of the day, everything is about people. We are humans and we must love other humans. When people are coming to live in our country as immigrants, they are going through lots of paperwork, a rigorous official process like I did, lots of vetting, uh, lots of um, expenses are involved, and so we must create a welcoming atmosphere for immigrants. I was embraced by the United States and the people here in Wisconsin after I came to America as an immigrant. And I want to do the same for other immigrants whether from Bangladesh or elsewhere who are coming to make the United States their home and going through all the process and procedures that I went through. I will conclude with my final point. The biggest change that people go through is perhaps understanding the government and the laws here in America. This may be the the most significant of all factors that an immigrant has to take into account while transitioning to an American life. Government and the laws touch almost every aspect of a human life in America. Getting a driver's license, leasing an apartment, buying a house, getting a job, opening a bank account, applying for um credit card, filing income taxes, buying health insurance, opening a postal office box, everything. A driver's license is a driver's license. It is a permit to drive a vehicle on the road lawfully. Buying a house is a transaction. You pay for the house or you take out a loan to purchase the house and you take take possession of the property. It's all the same all over the world, but the process and the rules governing a driver's license or a real estate transaction may vary from one country to another. Federal, state, and local laws are different from one country to another, depending on the form of government. One country may have a parliamentary structure of government, and um, another may have a totally different form of government. The legal system varies from one political territory to another. And it's just not the laws themselves. What also matters is the enforcement of the laws that are already in the books and how strong that enforcement is. If you get stopped for speeding on an American highway versus a highway in a foreign country, the consequences may be very different. With so many countries around the world, and the constant flow of immigrants into America, it is important for people to understand what the laws here in the United States are and to follow them strictly. Learning the laws and rules in America requires time and effort and careful attention to details, and it is something that immigrants must do. If you are an immigrant, share with me what changes you had to go through while transitioning to a life in the United States. We are so fortunate, we are so blessed to be here in America, in the land of the free, the home of the brave. Thank you all for listening. I hope to be back again with another episode of Explore and Engage with Anam.